The Jet Set Breakfast. Music, culture, lively and critical discussions on SAFM. So I'm going to take you back in time to the Spanish Civil War, which took place between 1936 and 1939. The book is called A Long Petal of the Sea. And it starts with the Spanish Civil War. Now, for those of you uh, who, who know your history, you'll know that it was described, it has been described as the dress rehearsal for World War II. Um, the Spanish Civil War was a shockingly brutal battle between the nationalists under Franco, supported by the Nazi, Nazis and the fascist Italians, and the more left-leaning Republicans. And uh, if you want to think about what that time could have looked like, a great visual description of that war is best offered by the work of Pablo Picasso. The work is called Juanica or Guernica. I've never known if it was a je or a go, but we'll ask our Spanish interviewee a little later. Um, and in fact, I'm going to ask Indosh um, if you can tweet a picture of Pablo Picasso's Guernica because it's such a great image for what civil war can look like, not just in this particular case where it's about um, the Spanish civil war, but it has been regarded as a work by art critics of one of the great anti-war paintings. It's monochromatic and kind of black and grey, and it portrays the suffering of people and animals wrought by violence and chaos. There are images of these rearing wounded horses, this bull screaming women, death, dismember. It's really a very powerful work, and what the work did is it brought attention to the Spanish Civil War. And indeed, it was a war that seeded the fabric of many other civil wars of South America, Chile, Argentina, and Venezuela. And it's against this backdrop of war and upheaval, chaos and complexity, conflict, that Chilean author Isabel Allende writes this profound love story. A long petal of the sea tells the story of Victor and Rosa, who are a couple, who through the circumstances of the war are forced to take refuge in Chile. And a cocktail of fact and fiction, which is really what the book is about. We see how Rosa and Victor embark for Chile on the SS Winnipeg, which was, in fact, a ship chartered by the poet Pablo Neruda, who became a government official during the time. And he described his country, in fact, as the long petal of the sea and wine and so snow. So it's a book about love, but it's also about displacement. And it's a displacement, obviously, that took place during the Second World War. But it's one that we have to acknowledge in times now. We can see it in Syria. We can see the displacement of many, many Syrians. We can see it in diverse warring nations. We can see it as close as Cabo Delgado in North Mozambique right now, where its citizens are fleeing the attacks of Islamist militants. And it raises many questions of what is home? Where is home? How do we find safety, community, and a space that holds us? Is it a geography or is home simply in our heart and our love of our partners and our friends and our family. So a long pedal of the sea remains relevant to the now, to the future, in much the same way that I was talking about the future now. It talks to the personal in relation to broader society. It talks to life or love versus war or death. And it's a powerfully empathetic story, building on Ayenda's many great offerings. For those of you who read uh, her The House of the Spirits, you'll know just what a great author she is. Perhaps you are a fan of her. And this may, in fact, be the first time that you read her. But if it is the first Chilean author that you ever read, now's the time to go out and get it. Read it, you must. It's a great story about history, but it's a great story about who we are in the present as well. And I'm going to give you a little snippet from the start of the book, which is pretty freaking 
uh, intense but quite amazing. And as she goes into each chapter, she quotes the great poet Pablo Neruda and uh, she starts chap- the first chapter, 1938, in Spain. And she quotes Pablo Neruda as saying, Get ready, lads, to kill again or die once more and to cover the blood with flowers. The young soldier was part of the baby bottle conscription. The boys called up when there were no more men, young or old, to fight the war. Victor Dalmau received him with the other wounded, taken from the supply truck and laid out like logs on mats placed over the cement and stone floor of the Estación del Norte, where they had to wait for other vehicles to take them to the hospital centres. The boy lay motionless, with the calm of someone who has seen the angels and now fears nothing. There was no telling how many days he had spent being shifted from one stretcher to another, one field hospital to another, one ambulance to another, before reaching Catalonia on this particular train. At the station, doctors, paramedics and nurses evaluated the soldiers, immediately dispatching the more serious cases to the hospital and classifying the others according to the part of the body where they were wounded, Group A, arms, Group B, legs, Group C, head and so on. They were then transferred to the corresponding centre with labels around their necks. The wounded arrived by the hundreds and each diagnosis and decision had to be made in no more than a few minutes. But the chaos and confusion were misleading for no one was left unattended, no one was left behind. Those in need of surgery were sent to the old Santa Bru building in Manresa and those requiring treatment were dispatched to the other centres. The remainder were left where they were since nothing could be done to save them. Volunteer women would moisten their lips, whisper to them and comfort them as if they were their own children in the knowledge that somewhere else another woman might be cradling their own son or brother. Later, the stretcher bearers would take them to the morgue. And that's the start of Isabel Allende's extraordinary book, A Long Petal of the Sea. So we made a decision that when we were going to do these authors, we would get someone on the line who is Spanish or has uh, the Spanish culture in their blood, at least. And uh, we wanted to like speak to someone about what that culture was all about, given uh, Zai's reading of Paulo Coelho's fantastic Brazilian book, this fantastic book by Isabel Allende. So on the line with us, we have none other than, I'm just getting his notes, Cesar Alvarado. Cesar Alvarado. Hello. Hi, good morning, Michelle. How are you? Brilliant. How do we say good morning, Cesar, in Spanish? Buenos dias. Buenos dias, Cesar. Buenos dias. There you go. Cesar's (laughs) in the studio as well. She's also wanting to chat to you for sure because she's been reading Paulo Coelho's uh, book. I've been reading Isabel Allende, so we've gone from Brazil to um, Chile, but we've also been talking about the Spanish Civil War, and uh, you indeed are Spanish. I am from Peru, actually. Ah, you're from yes. Peru. My apologies. Yes. But you're the, mm, the founder yes. of Fiesta Latina, South Africa's annual Latino food, culture and music festival. Exactly. I am the co-founder of uh, South Africa's annual Latino food, music and cultural uh, festival called Fiesta Latina, South Africa. Uh, this event is happening, has been, well, we founded in, in 2012. Yeah. And pretty much... Uh, uh, feature all what is Latino, everything, absolutely everything, all the culture, the music, the dances. Uh, there is no place that you can go in South Africa that you don't uh, that you can get absolutely everything in one place. There is a very very exciting event. Uh, the, the reviews and the um, 
uh, the comments that the people talk about, about about an event right after this is, is amazing because um, the food, for example, is, is, is food that you don't get anywhere. Uh, we have um, dishes from our cuisines for uh, eight different uh, countries. Uh, well, we have the uh, Argentinian community getting together to get uh, the whole uh, meat and and everything. The Peruvian people, I am from Peru as well. We have the Colombian. Uh, we have a lot of support from the embassies as well for the whole Latino community here in South Africa. So it's a very exciting event. All the, the traditional dances come about, all the dressing, all the cultural uh, uh dressing so a lot of people come in cultural uh, uh, wear so it's, it's very exciting event this is happening so, so every that, uh, september yeah uh, unfortunately last year didn't happen uh, but well hopefully this this year things can change a little bit to to, to bring it back cesar so you are entertaining the ninas and the ninos both yeah, niñas and niños. <laughs> niñas and niños. Uh, yeah, that, that's a little bit tricky word because you're using the, the, the ñ, right? That is the only uh, letter that you, you get in the Spanish and nowhere else. Uh, niña and niño. Niña and niño. And it has yes. a little caterpillar on top of the N, which exactly. uh, makes the, the, the sound change. I don't know what the real word for the caterpillar is. I have a bit of a blank <laughs> on that. Cesar, <laughs> we want to know about um, Latino culture. And certainly yes. when we look at um, the books we've been reading, and then we can go, as you say, Peru, Mexico, Chile, mm-hmm. the list goes on, Venezuela, um, yes. Spain. What is it about the Latino culture that you think is different to others? And to certainly, um, let's look at the north, uh, the north and the northern cultures. Yes, um, something that caught my, my attention when I read uh, uh, Latin American authors living in Peru, for example, I read um, the love on t- in times of cholera, for example. And oh, at that time, Gabriel Garcia. Yes, uh, yes, they're from Gabriel Garcia Marquez, and at that time I didn't know, I didn't knew, I didn't, well, I didn't go to 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 Colombia at all. And and something that 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 caught my attention is that you can't actually travel to that place because the way that that Gabriel Garcia Marquez um, writes is very special because he describes a lot of places, a lot of from from fruits, from the things that the, that the people eat, and so you can imagine the, the scene, the scenarios just by reading the book. Yeah. And the same thing happened with different different places. For example, the book that I loved as well is the the Motorcycle Diaries oh. from, from Ernesto Che Guevara. Yeah, absolutely. Why? Yeah, that is an amazing book because uh, although it was made into a movie, uh, the book is something completely uh, special because actually take your things in detail way much um, in detail so you can go to different places because he, go, he goes he talk, well in that book I, I, you must know talk about uh, pretty much the whole um, journey from Argentina all the way to Cuba going yeah. through different cities with different countries throughout uh, Latin America going through Peru going to Argentina Venezuela etc so the way that he describes also different different places is amazing because you you actually going with him through this your journey so it's it's amazing so, so Cesar, you talk about uh, Latino food, and yeah. um, I know certainly in, in a long petal of the sea, they 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 describe different meals, and it, it's quite quite extraordinary the diversity and mm-hmm. the, the the community of food. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yes, well, 
um, Latin America food is very, very, very comes a lot to our heart because uh, the families are the mummies. Well, the mom, the moms in the families are very into cooking. We love cooking. Even myself, I cook. Um, and if we don't spend much time in, in, in being being a, a guy, just uh, washing dishes or something, helping to to our mothers, is um, I don't know. It's, it's something very strange. People generally is very hands on in the in, in helping uh, our, our mothers in, in the kitchen, etc. And we are at least I'm talking about my experience, right? And a lot of people that I know as well. Uh, that like uh, grow us a lot of. Um, Passion for food, passion for uh, and love for our food. Um, that is that is, for example, just to start off. In my case, um, I, I grow up in Peru. My mom um, is my mom and my granny and everybody used to spend I don't know probably two three hours in the kitchen per day just cooking meals for us. My mom used to wake up very very early. Although she got a, a, a full a full time job, used uh, full time job, she used to go very early to to cook and used to help her to get ready for school and then go. So um, two to three example, hours in the kitchen, Zai. I know you do that. I know yeah. that even before you get here to the Jet Set Breakfast, Zai, you are, you are <laughs> in the kitchen for three hours. Well, it feels like yeah. I'm climbing Machu Picchu, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Machu Picchu. I was in Machu Picchu exactly two years ago. Yeah, this time, in, uh, two years ago, I was right in the in the in the top of Machu Picchu. Was uh, my dream go back there because although I was there when I was very little, when I was three three years old, I wanted to take my wife there. Uh, so I took her, and she I, well, she fell in love to the whole uh, scenery and culture and food and the music that you get in there with the whole pipes and and and. Um, Wow, it's it's very it's very very nice. So um, maybe describe what is Machu Picchu um, for those of us who don't know. Describe where it is because it's a hell of a hike. Yes, well, uh, Machu Picchu pretty much is, is um, was a hidden uh, ancient city that was um, right in the bottom of a no, right in the, the top of the mountain yeah. uh, was. Um, pretty much the hidden place for the Incas that was completely hidden by the jungle because there was a lot of uh, jungle um, or greenery or, or, um, growing there. So when it was discovered, it actually was a whole full city with uh, houses and in a whole full city. So they clean it up that's the top of the mountain. The more interesting thing is the top of the mountain. That's why the Inca never was... Um, discovered at that time. Um, he was at the hidden place. It was right in the, in, in, uh, um, in the four... Uh, no, when was discovered the Machu Picchu? I don't remember. By the way, much, I think about probably 200 years ago only or something like that was discovered Machu Picchu. Um, it looks absolutely incredible. Yeah. And in fact, yeah. I, I did hear a story of, um, I know it has been closed during COVID, but I think they allowed one one tourist, one Japanese tourist, the opportunity to go in. And, and I'm not sure there was a reason because he'd been waiting for years or, or something like that to go mm-hmm. to visit Machu Picchu. So he went all by himself, which just... Oh, wow. Not, no, I didn't, no. Know. I didn't know. That's very interesting. Uh, well, yes, uh, Peru, is, we, we rely a lot in, in tourism, so... At the moment, has been a um, a very hit, at the, uh, no, very 
a, a huge problem that we we are we are going through at the moment with regard to, to tourism in Peru. Yeah. Um, but well, hope, hopefully things are gonna gonna get better. Hopefully, something that will. is very interesting is the wear, the the the, the costumes that people wear. Do, when you walk in Machu Picchu in Cusco, you can see you can see the people, the Indian Indian people wearing the long uh, dressing, all colorful, with a jacket, with a hat, with a baby. It's like a bowler hat almost. Yes, little baby sheep carrying everywhere with a little uh, llamas or llamas uh, walking around. And they allow you to take pictures with them to just to, for people to, to take uh, as a memory. Fantastic. And then uh, there you can see people dressing like a, like a Inca, so with a full, full costume. They are all very uh, bold. Uh, Peruvian guys dressing like Incas, and then uh, you can take pictures with them and, and look like a how massive guy, like a big um, Inca. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Cesar, we're going to have to leave you there. Cesar Alvarado, he's the founder of the Fiesta Latina, South Africa's annual Latino food culture and music festival, and uh, giving us some insights into. Peru. Uh, I want to say thank you also to Wandile in Northwest, Wandile Mabukela, as well. And Wandile, with, without people like you, we're at a loss. Saying, Wandile saying, good morning, Michelle and the team. The diacritical sign, which is what I was calling the caterpillar, which you find above the letter N in Spanish, is called a tilde. So there we have it. We learned something new. We've just learned something about Peru. Our word domination features just taught us about great uh, South American authors. And we look forward to more on that next week. It's nine o'clock. It's time for the news. Good morning.